Welcome to the Small Business Tax Savings Podcast, your weekly dose of accounting and tax tips specific to small business owners. You will be on your way to growing your business and paying the least amount in taxes as legally possible. Here's your host, Mike Jezoshek, CPA. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode. We are on part two of a mini-series that we're doing on some legal items with Andrea Sager over at The Legalpreneur. Last week, we talked about, do you need an LLC for your business? And we got into a discussion about all those types of things. So if you haven't checked that out, do so now. It was a great conversation. And this week, our topic is, what contracts do you need for your business? So again, I definitely recommend checking out last week's episode. And we're just going to continue that discussion this week about contracts for your business. And our hope here with bringing Andrea on is just to make sure that you have the tools and items that you need in your business just to ensure that you're protected. So Andrea, welcome back to another episode. Thanks. I'm excited to be back. Great. So let's dig into it. What contracts do you need for your business? Yeah. So it's really going to depend on what type of business you have. If you have a website, though, no matter what type of business you have, there are two things that you need on your website, your privacy policy and terms of use. Your privacy policy, it is required by federal law. And even more so now with all the data privacy issues, states are beginning to enact their own data privacy rules. But for the most part, you just need a good privacy policy template. It's not anything that has to be in-depth if you just have a basic informational website. If you have an app, if you're a tech company, completely different story. You definitely want to work one-on-one with an attorney for those pri- for that privacy policy. But for the most part, if you just want basically an advertisement for your business, basic privacy policy. Your terms of use, this is the contract between you and the visitor of your website. If you have a product-based business, if people can purchase something from your website, it can also double as the terms and conditions of your website. So it's either the terms of use with just the visitor or also terms and conditions for the purchase on the website. No matter what, you always want to have those two on your website. And I'm, I'm not here to say you always need to have a custom contract. A lot of times, if you're just starting out in business, beginning with a great contract template is wonderful because at the end of the day, you don't know all the specifics that you need in your contracts. So you're just going to end up wasting your money on the attorney's template anyway. And that's what happened to me. I was just drafting all these custom contracts, but the clients didn't know what they needed. So they were just paying me for my template. So contract templates, great way to get started. And then depending on what type of business you have will depend on what type of contracts you need. But keep in mind, anytime value is changing hands, that's when you want to have a written agreement. Let's say you're a service provider. Obviously, you want to have a service agreement with your clients. If you have employees, you want to have an employment agreement. And this isn't necessarily for, hey, we're guaranteeing you to be employed for this amount of time. It's laying out the rights and the duties, the expectations of the employee, all the benefits, things that you want to make sure that the employee knows about their employment and things that you want them to know about the company. That's what the employment agreement is for. If you have contractors, you want to make sure you have an independent contractor agreement. Any, I'm telling you, anytime money is changing hands, and I say value now, I say anytime value is changing hands because we've all done trades, we've all done barters especially now with a lot of product-based businesses, influencers, they'll trade a product for a post on social media. So anytime value is changing hands, that's when you want to make sure that you have an agreement. 
Is there a certain size in your business or a certain type of activity where you're like, you need something completely custom versus you kind of mentioned that that idea of a template that you're using? Because I think that a lot of business owners get confused, nervous about this area where they're like, oh, you know, I found this employment agreement on Google. I don't know if it's right, if it's wrong. I don't know what to do with it. Is there a certain size in your business where you think, yeah, this is where it makes sense to have something more custom versus not or age in your business? What, what do you typically talk to clients about that front for? Well, I think it's a matter of when you know. So if, let's say you start with contract templates and you've been in business for however amount, of, however long but you know there's things you want different in your contract. You're like, hey, I need to make sure this is in the contract. I need to make sure this is in the contract. That's when you want to go and chat with an attorney and make sure the right things are in your contract. But when you're getting started, you really have no idea. Unless you Mm -hmm. get started and you're like, hey, I need to make sure this is in the contract, this is in the contract. If it's a highly regulated industry or any regulated industry, you do want to make sure that you do have a custom contract to just make sure you have the right terms in the agreements. But if you're just getting started and it's really basic services or you just have an e-commerce business, it probably is okay to get started with templates. Now, if you're in construction, if you are a therapist, if you are some type of licensed professional, then you probably do want to go to an attorney to make sure you have the proper agreements in place. Yeah. And so what I'm kind of hearing is like, you know, if you're starting to generate income, if you if you have some good income coming through, you know, take a little bit of time, talk yeah. to an attorney, get those get those personalized, just so that at that point, you know, you know, you're protected and 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 safe. So it kind of just adds on to, hey, we already we talked about last week having an LLC, we've created some protection there, but now we're protecting maybe not just ourselves, but you know, some of the activity going on within our business and making sure that you know people aren't uh, at some point we're providing this type of service, but somebody else thinks we're doing this. And- yeah. Yeah. And even to add on from last week, having the LLC, that's the thing you need to be aware of in your contracts. Once you have the LLC, the contract is not between the client and you as an individual. It is between the client and your LLC, your company. Always make sure that it's the LLC that is in the contract or your entity, if you have a corporation, whatever it is. It's not you as an individual. And when you sign the contract, you will actually sign your legal name, but you're signing on behalf of the company. You're not going to sign the actual company name. You're signing your legal name, but it is for the company. But that's well, that's one of the biggest mishaps. We have clients that they'll come to us for an LLC and we really just build out their whole, all of their legal stuff and they get the LLC, but then they don't change the LLC in their contracts. I'm like, hey, hey, hey. This is the number one reason why we have the LLC is to make sure we're binding the company, not you as an individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, one thing that that you've talked about and we've talked about in a previous episode as well is, you know, sometimes when you're doing business, you're just like, you know, we both, you know, you know what I'm providing you. I know what, what you're providing me, whether that's in the form of payment or whatever. Like, let's say you're doing a service for selling. You're like, I know I'm doing your taxes and bookkeeping you know you're paying me $100 a month or whatever the dollar amount is. But oftentimes when these contracts come to play is two years, three years down the road and someone says, hey, hey, hey you know, I, I, I didn't receive this. And yeah. then it's like, whoa, wait, was that in the contract? Was it not in the contract? Yeah. So I think, you know, not only from a protection standpoint, but it just also helps build that clarity of what are the expectations on both ends? And so if you're signing up for a service, what are they actually providing you? It's not about, what was that conversation you had with them? What did what, yeah. you, know, what did you guys talk about on the sales call? 
it just kind of solidifies that service offering with a contract. Oh, absolutely. That, and that's what I tell people. I'm like, because a lot of, especially newer business owners, I have found that they're timid to use contracts. They're like, oh, I don't want somebody to think I'm trying to pull one over on them. And I'm like, no, no, no. You completely have to change your mind frame, your mindset around this, because it's the contract is in place to lay out the rights and duties of both parties to the contract. And it's really to provide clarity because you may have discussed something, whether verbally in an email over the phone, but once it gets in writing, you have to make sure what was discussed is there. And we've all heard it, you know, get it in writing. But if you discuss, you know, ABC and there's only AB in the contract and you ask them about it and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, C is included. Do not sign that contract until C is there written in the agreement. I've seen that happen so many times. And honestly, a lot of times it's not done maliciously. They just forget, the other party forgets about C and exactly what you said, two or three years down the road, they're like, hey, where's, you know, this C, this item C? And they're like, oh no, it's past the time and it's actually not in our contract. Yeah. What do you do then? Well, yeah, you can sue on it, whatever, but it's just not going to be worth it at the end of the day. So if you discuss... ABC, and you only see AB in the contract, do not sign that contract until C is also in that contract. Hmm, amazing. You know, one question I kind of have on that is what constitutes a contract? You know, if someone says, if I send an email to a- Andrea and I say, we're going to provide payroll services for you, it is $200 a month. And you say, great, that sounds good. You can send me my invoice for every month for that $200 a month. Is that a contract or, you know, what has to be involved in that contract? And, you know, obviously that's very informal, but it, in some ways, you know, you know what we're providing you and, and you've agreed to a price and everything else. So, you know, what what constitutes a contract? When do you need an actual paper document versus just kind of that email correspondence? Yeah. So actually emails can double as a contract. It can be a written agreement. The only things you need to be present to have an actual agreement, a contract is offer acceptance and consideration. An offer is you saying, hey, we will provide payroll services $200 a month. And the other party says, great, I accept. I will pay that $200. So you're providing a service. They're paying you money. That's consideration. Mm. You don't have to have it memorialized in an agreement, although it makes it cleaner. However, if worse comes to worse, having it all in an email, that does work as a contract. So those people listening, they're like, oh my gosh, I've been running my business for 20 years, have never had a signed contract. You know, they might be in a situation where, hey, it's okay, you know, the way you're doing it, but now listen up and say, maybe we should change that moving forward. So how does that work? I'm one of those persons, never had a signed agreement, never did anything like that. And now I'm listening to this, I'm thinking, oh man, I should get some contracts in place, some agreements, things like that. What does that process look like to implement that? Do I have to go back to everybody they ever worked with? What does that look like? A great question. I actually did an episode on this several months ago. I think it was earlier this year. But the question was exactly that. Like, hey, I've been, they had ongoing clients and they wanted to introduce clients, but they didn't exactly, or they wanted to introduce contracts, but they didn't know how to do that because they were already working together. If you were no longer working with clients in the past, like you worked with them, didn't have an agreement, I wouldn't go back to them. But those that you are actually working with, all I would do is just get a simple agreement and just say, hey, look, you know, I started working with an attorney to make sure, you know, everything in our business is buttoned up. They highly, and I always say like, blame it on me, blame it on the attorney. Just say, 
my attorneys really wants me to get these things buttoned up in our business. I just want to have make sure we have a signed agreement and be very open about it and just tell them, look, if you see anything that you don't agree with or that you want changed, let me know. We can fix it. And it, because you want to make sure they know you're not trying to pull anything over on them. You're just trying to make sure things are buttoned up in your business. And there's many reasons you can do this. I mean, you can tell them, number one, if you blame it on the attorney, typically that's fine. But you can say, look, we're trying to, maybe you need a line of credit and the the bank wants to see like all these contracts that you have. Well, you're not going to send them emails. The bank's not going to care about emails. They're going to want to see, okay, you have these actual signed agreements. This is money that's coming in the future. That's what a bank wants to see. So you can blame it on a bank. You can blame it on somebody else. That way, if they're not going to think that you're trying to just pull one over on them. Yeah, that makes complete sense. So kind of what I'm gathering, if you have a website, kind of the main requirements that you need to have is a privacy policy and a terms of use of some sort that's Mm -hmm. on your website. And then depending on the type of business that you're in, you might have service agreements, you might have employment, independent contractor agreements, all different types of things based on the type of industry that you're in and, and kind of what you're working with. Yep, exactly. And as far as signing contracts, checking the box on a website, perfectly legal. We've all seen it. We check the box and it says, by checking the box, I agree to the terms and conditions. The terms and conditions has to be clickable to go read on a different page or they're just there in front of them. That's perfectly binding. However, I will say for chargeback purposes, your best friend is an actual signed agreement. That check in the box, even though it's legally binding, your best friend to fight a chargeback is a signed agreement. Hello sign, DocuSign, those are all perfectly fine. And I, I actually love those more than printing, signing, and sending it back because Hello sign, DocuSign, those electronic signatures, there's an audit trail. And if the client wants to say, oh, somebody else hacked into my email and or somebody else signed it, duh, no, that audit trail, that's also your best friend. Yeah. And that brings up one final question to kind of close this topic. You know, what when we're t- when we see agreements come to us and, and a good one is, is we're signing up for the legalpreneur program and we click this box and say, yeah, we agree. You know, I, I'm not going to tell you this, but I never read those things. Yeah. And so, you know, what is the importance of what should we be looking at when we receive agreements? And when we're doing that checkbox, how does that work? Like if, if something if someone put in there like you owe us you know, $1,000 a month when I thought I was signing up for something 200, you know, do they have ability to come back at me? What are some of those, can you sneak things in there that, that, that might not be there? And how important is it that, that we're looking at that? So it really depends on the situation, but sometimes they do pull one over on you just to see like, hey, are you actually paying attention? And so it's a matter of, hey, is this unconscionable, which is a legal term, And basically, you just have to prove like, hey, this isn't what we agreed to. This is not reasonable for me to believe this would be in the contract. Unconscionable is really just saying like, hey, they screwed me over and I shouldn't have to pay this. But on the other hand, it's, hey, you should have read the contract. Yeah, that's interesting. So I'm going to start reading those checkboxes that (laughs) that (laughs) make sure nothing crazy is going on. But yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And, you know, I think the other thing is, is agreements, just one thing. It's just kind of that formalization of something. When you're going into business with somebody, you know, it's important that you trust them with or without an agreement. So I always say, like, if you're going into business with someone, you're hiring someone to do something or you're being hired by somebody else um, and, and there's an agreement involved, you know, I think 
getting to know that person from a personal level at the begin with will will give you those signs of saying, hey, you know, is this someone that I actually want to be working with or not? So I, I think you'll see some of those signs early on. Well, Andrea, thanks for joining us again. Next week, we're going to be talking about trademarks and copyrights for your business. Again, last week, we talked about an LLC. And if you need one of those for your business, so definitely check out that episode and tune in next week. And Andrea, before we go, just kind of let everyone know, what are you up to? Where are some of your things at? Where can people find you? And uh, go from there. Yeah, so we have the Legalpreneur book, Legalpreneur, the Business Owner's Guide to Legally Protecting Your Business, coming out January 25th. And with that, we have the Legalpreneur podcast. I'm on TikTok with the Legalpreneur. Same thing with Instagram, YouTube. And I have my personal Instagram at Andrea Sager Law. And then you can also check out everything we have at thelegalpreneur.com. Yeah, and that, that's awesome. And what I've said last week, and I'll just reiterate again this week, is that uh, what Andrea does is a lot of the similar style to what we do, you know, just a different topic. So instead of talking about accounting and taxes, Andrea is talking about legal stuff. And so if you like kind of our style, our way of doing things, I definitely recommend checking out her podcasts and the things that she has going on. So Andrea, thanks again for uh, joining the podcast. Thanks for having me. This has been another episode of the Small Business Tax Savings Podcast. If you enjoy our weekly episodes, please leave a review and share with other business owners. You can find previous episodes and more information at www.taxsavingspodcast.com. Thanks for listening and have a great day.